and I was just observing just the ways that many people who are coming, um, they were just passively consuming whatever programming we were producing week after week, season after season. And so it really made me wonder um, if we weren't making disciples so much as we were just kind of creating this sort of consumerism and dependency. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Pastors in Transition podcast. I'm your host, Ben Stefano, And today we're going to hear from Eugene Kim, who on his own walked out of the doors of church ministry in pursuit of what could be reimagined for the church in form, function, and how to reach people living on the fringe of faith. Ministry transitions come in a number of different ways, but they are all challenging. Pastors in Transition is here to help pastors, families, and churches navigate those unique challenges and bring hope, help, and healing. We have a team of people who volunteer their time and expertise to help pastors and families find that hope, help, and healing. From mentoring to counseling with licensed counselors to prayer support, retreat facility options, and career assessments, Pastors in Transition is here to help. For more information on the Pastors in Transition ministry, be sure to visit us at pastorsintransition.net. Now, here's my conversation with Eugene Kim. Well, Eugene, welcome to the podcast, man. So glad to have you with us. Um, Why don't you give us a little background on yourself and your family and where you're joining us from today? Thanks, Ben. It's uh, really good to see you. Um, Everyone, I'm Eugene, and uh, I live in the greater Boston area with my wife, and we're actually celebrating 25 years of marriage this year. Um, but I grew up in the New York City area and actually spent a little bit of time in Seoul, uh, Korea as well, uh, and uh, came back here for college is where I met my wife. And so we have three kids, and uh, it's really good to be with you today. Awesome, man. It's so glad, so glad to have you with us. Um, you know, over the last year or so, um, I've been watching your journey through Twitter, and that's that's kind of where I first found you. And then we talked a little bit last fall. Uh, really interested in what you're doing in the church space or the new space for Christians and Christ followers who are trying to find community. You know, we we go through COVID and COVID just disrupted everything. Um, and not the least of which has been people re-examining their faith, people, what some in, in our church world would say deconstructing their faith Mm -hmm. um and not necessarily in a negative way just kind of you know clearing it out and trying to make sense of it and the same has been true with the church proper i would say with church attendance the four-walled building the weekend you know show up on a weekend on a certain time and day Mm -hmm. and you've been exploring some new approaches to ministry and specifically uh how how we can move forward in that space. Before we get to too much of that, which we're going to get to a lot of that, but before we get to that, can you give us some broad brush strokes of of your career path and kind of what your career kind of looks like? Yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah, I've been in local church ministry for about over, a little over 25 years now. Uh, ever since college days, uh, my first entrance into ministry was as a worship leader. 
Um, and I would say even that I kind of stumbled into it. It was sort of this thing like, oh, you play guitar. Okay, well, why don't you just take this position of spiritual leadership? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, sure. What do I know? Um, but since then, I've pretty much worn almost every hat there is, I would say. Uh, started in youth ministry. I was a worship pastor, associate pastor, executive pastor. And the last role that I played was um, our church was a multi-campus, multi-site church. Uh, and the last role I played was the lead pastor of our, of our kind of main campus. Um, and, uh, but I left my role in, uh, March of 2020, right before the pandemic shut everything down. Um, and, uh, now I'm in this new space of trying to, um, push forward, uh, and innovate in the area of ecclesiology, uh, you know, spiritual innovation. And, uh, a lot of that, had to do with, you know, having a heart for people who would, who I knew would never walk through our doors uh, as a, as a church, as you know, wonderful as it was, um, and uh, I know I've always had a heart for those people on the outside, maybe because I've always kind of been a misfit in many church spaces, um, and I've also had a big heart for young people and realizing that uh, so much of what we were doing uh, was not really clicking for them. Um, and it was not even designed for them in reality. And so I started this nonprofit, uh, New Wine Collective, as just really a container so that I can focus my energies on study and ideation about the future of the church. Well, to the point that you're comfortable sharing, um, what were some of the pressure points that led you to exit full-time ministry? Yeah, I think... I'd have to trace it back uh, a number of years ago. Uh, I'd say maybe about six or seven years ago, I went through a pretty uh, significant season of burnout in ministry. Um, and it came to a point where it, it was just sort of stirring lots of things in me. And I was um, just realizing that my spirituality wasn't even really working for me. This, this kind of practice and of spirituality that I was espousing and creating space for and creating kind of this whole culture around, uh, I myself uh, was not thriving. And, and so on the outside, I would say that our church looked like it was doing pretty well. Uh, you know, we were one of the few churches in our area that were growing, uh, multiplying, you know, planting churches, branching out into, you know, campuses and things like that. Um, but on the inside, I feel like I was kind of getting crushed in the gears a little bit. Um, and I had already gone through multiple cycles of burnout. Um, and so this all started this kind of crisis in, in a way, a faith crisis where I was kind of asking a lot of deeper questions. And I think in the midst of that, um, I guess the the term now is deconstruction, but I guess, you know, it was happening to me back then when I was just asking deeper questions about what do I believe? Why do I believe that? What what are we doing? Why do we do it this way? Uh -huh. um, and I would say this really led to kind of an awakening. Um, and I felt like for the first time I was being much more honest with myself uh -huh. um, and things were shifting on the inside. And I was kind of in the midst of healing in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but to make a long story short, I felt like I was changing and healing and kind of finding 
more of my true self on the inside. And I realized, you know, it wasn't really aligning. This growth in me wasn't aligning with the things that we're doing on the outside programmatically in the church. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we were growing, but the vast majority of the people coming were Christians from other churches or people yeah. who were moving to the area and, you know, they're already looking for a church. They're going to Google and, we're, you know, we just happen to pop up in the in the search and we have a pretty good children's ministry. And so, you know, they're going to come. Um, and so we were growing, but it was mostly transfer growth. Um, and I was just observing just the ways that many people who are coming, um, they were just passively consuming whatever programming we were producing week after week, season after season. And so it really made me wonder um, if we weren't making disciples so much as we were just kind of creating this sort of consumerism and dependency. Yeah. Um, and eventually I just started to realize just because we're running this big machine, like we, we leaders kind of became the bottlenecks, you know, people would come with ideas and passions and, you know, things that they were doing. They're like, Hey, how can we bring this into the church? I was like, well, this doesn't really fit into our programming schedule or the, you know, we're, we're in this like, you know, church calendar thing and we can't really focus on that right now. And I realized so much, we were just kind of one size fits all in, you know, everything. And we weren't, we were kind of aiming for the middle, but realizing how many people on the margins, on the edges were not being addressed, not being welcomed in and had no seat at the table, their voice would never be heard. So I was just over-functioning, cycles of burnout, questioning things, valuing things differently, realizing how many compromises and conflicts of interest were built into my pastoral role. And uh, so all in all, I kind of felt this rumbling within me over the past few years. Um, my last four to five years in church ministry, really trying to do things differently, trying to value things differently. You know, I was disenchanted with the whole like numbers and success thing, uh, the way we typically assign it to, you know, church. And, um, and I think those are some of the factors that led me to feeling like, okay, um, we're doing this thing. I'm not sure I 100% believe in this anymore. Uh, something kind of has to change. And I I also realized that this was a large um, organization uh, and there was some organizational institutional bloat um, that you know inevitably happens. And so this thing is not necessarily going to turn on a dime. If I if there was going to be change, it would be slow, very slow. So those are some of the questions that I was wrestling with right around the time when it was time for me to go. Yeah, that's 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 a lot to wrestle with, especially <laughs> in the midst of burnout, right? I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. the questions themselves are one thing, but then you add that layer of burnout, which uh, you know, although that may have been the last straw to to really move you, those are two big things to handle at the same time: burnout mm -hmm. plus the questioning, and then you add on top of that what I'm hearing from you is really a missional heart. You know, how do we reach the, the fringe? How do we reach the, the people that don't have a voice? How do we reach, you, you've touched upon the millennials and Gen Z. How do we reach that culture, that, that community, those people that quite frankly, churches right now are asking the exact same question. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how many webinars I keep seeing popping up across, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, platforms saying, you know, how to reach, but you go to the webinar and it's all about, it's all about philosophy. It's not about pragmatics. And so mm-hmm. I think we're still wrestling like they're like, nobody's got the answer yet. And so you put your missional heart and drive for, for lost people, combine it with a season of questioning of why we're doing it and what we're doing plus the burnout and and is it fair to say that was all of that together was really the tipping point where you were just like yeah i gotta do something different yeah i i would add one more factor in there uh i think the burnout the other side of the burnout it's like i don't see the burnout as a as a negative thing in a way like this was the sort of you know uh, engine light that was coming on that indicated hey something's not right here, right? And it was that burnout that signaled the need for change. And honestly, I, I think the past few years at my church were actually a period of like really um, significant growth for me um, because I was activated. I was asking deeper questions. I was, you know, I, I felt like I was coming alive um, and using my voice more and so I feel like that, you know, burnout is sometimes like a result of our, you know, unhealth and all that. And I, I've been there definitely, but sometimes burnout is an indication that there's something wrong with this system that I'm in. Uh, and I'm not burning out because I'm necessarily doing something wrong. You know, I, in fact, I was almost like healthier than I've ever been. It's actually, hey, this system sucks. That's why I'm burning out. And there's yeah, something you're wrong burned with out. this. You're burned out on the system. You're not burned out individually. Is that yeah. fair to say too? In, in a way, I feel like I was coming alive, but um, but the constant demand for production and the constant demand, I mean, running a large organization and all these things, um, they were contributing to just kind of fatigue and tiredness. But then like, you're like, hey, maybe it's not just me, <laughs> you know? Uh, and maybe there's something wrong with the way we're doing things. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that too right now. Um, again, when I talk about in church world, I'm talking about, you know, organizations like Barna or Christianity Today or something like that, that are really, you know, third party organizations that are reporting on what they're seeing across the country. They're saying the same thing, you know, church, mm-hmm. the churches that are going to thrive moving forward are the ones that are not going to put their emphasis on the glitz, the glam, the production, but are going to be more about authentic um, worship and and experiences and expressions and whatever that means, right? And now we're exploring mm-hmm. what that means. But you were you you started that in March of 2020, um, went through the COVID season, um, and saw everybody start to kind of like question and understand where they are. As you look back. What do you think are some of the challenges facing pastors and churches in the North American church today? You talked a little bit about, you know, burnout of of the system. Can you identify some of that for us, at least from your perspective and your context? What What were some of your check engine lights, if you will, that were saying, man, at least for me, where I'm at today, I'm not so sure about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gosh, where to begin? Um, I mean, just picking up on that uh, 
kind of over-functioning side, I just realized like, gosh, job of a pastor in many ways is just to be a chronic over-functioner, um, to be the, the person who's expected to, you know, pray at every meal, <laughs> you know, and uh, speak first, speak last. And, you know, you're in, in many ways, you're not allowed to be a whole person uh, on an actual journey that has, you know, peaks and valley valleys. Uh, but you are just expected to be the the kind of spiritual authority in many contexts. And I I just think it's unsustainable. And we've set up this power structure. Um, and the more and more, you know, church becomes not a kind of community of mutual, you know, love and belonging, it becomes a power structure. Um, then it all of the trappings and compromises and conflicts of interest um, get rolled into that as well. And the bigger the power structure, the more problematic those dynamics become. Um, and so I felt like I was functioning in my role as a pastor, but also experiencing all these conflicts of interest. You know, uh, someone's coming to me, you know, asking me for counsel about something where, you know, they're looking to me in, in some ways, and for some people, there's a lot of transference. They're like expecting to hear from God. I'm like, no, that's, I'm not God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Neither am I an, an expert in the question that you are asking me. Um, so it's an extremely awkward, strange, weird job, you know? And, and so that's one, I think I felt personally, I felt like, gosh, can we level the playing field a little bit here? And you know, sometimes I am the expert, you know, if you have a question about, you know, Romans, but often I am not the expert and other people need to be heard. And, you know, I, I realized we weren't really functioning as a full body. You know, you, we were over dependent on leaders. And then when I zoom out, I, I think just in many ways, the, the, the model itself uh, is no longer able to navigate uh, the world that we're living in now. Um, you know, we've sort of got locked into a certain structure, uh, a certain model where we have the 501c3 organization branded, right? Um, and we have the Sunday program and then we have other programs. We have the clergy, we have budgets and we have buildings to maintain and all these things. And other things are 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 bad in and of themselves. Uh, but it's it's as if we were given this playbook that's like 50 years old. Um, and we never went back to the playbook and said, Hey, how do we, maybe some of these pages don't apply anymore. Maybe we need some new plays. Maybe we need some new strategies. We have all this sunk cost, uh, in the systems and structures. They, they've become, you know, large and complex and they're very hard to dismantle, you know, once, once you have them. Um, and yet the world has completely changed in the past 30 years. And so, you know, this, there's this realization that the current way we do church and, and spirituality right now was just not designed, you know, for our current time and place. It was designed for a very different time and place. Um, and so it seems to me like the overarching challenge is that um, our current systems and structures just do not have the nimbleness uh, and flexibility uh, to experiment and implement new ideas. You know, you try to change one thing in an established church, uh, good luck, um, right? And so, and, in that, ways, and to be fair, like that's not even like, like what some of what you're talking about is is when I do system and structure, like like 
like man we can't even change the light bulbs right like yeah. we can't even go from fluorescent to led without it being like seven seven board meetings and right mm-hmm. but let alone how do we reach gen z and the millennials right, right? Yeah. yeah exactly i mean we're we're trying to do something future oriented right with a model that was built in the past um and and there's like kind of an adage like in times of stability then you look to you know best practices you you kind of maintain right but this is not a time of stability this is a time of like huge change and volatility and in times of volatility you have to you have to think outside the box you can't look to old solutions you have to look to the future and you have to look to and learn from voices that are outside your system and churches are gener- generally church organizations generally are not very good at that um because they're built to preserve things, right? They're built in in many ways to move slowly by design. They're built to preserve tradition and preserve the status quo. And so a lot of pastors I know are stuck with this, you know, they know that change is a given. They know that the world is changing. They know that, you know, 30 years from now, if they're doing this exact same thing that they're doing right now, they're not going to exist. But our systems are not designed to change. They don't have the flexibility. And that has to do with the business model of church, um, you know, institutionalism, just just the nature of the of the machine. Uh, it's really hard to change. Uh, wh- why? Why do you think it is? Because I hear that and and man, I agree with you. Like I've been in church ministry for 30 years. Um, you know, I've been through seasons of frustration and doubt and wonder. Um, I've finished a worship service on a Sunday morning and on my way to walk into the car have gone, what was that all about? Like, what was that whole hour? Like, you know, we put so much emphasis, you know, in some of our environments on the hour on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it comes and goes in a finger snap. And it's like, what was that? And mm-hmm. why are we not nimble? Why do we not want to move? Why do we not want to look forward to reaching this next generation and the current culture that we're in? Hmm. I think there's so many answers to that question. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with just kind of our our own human nature. Um, you know, I, I don't know who said this, but I, I, I've heard it said uh, that the, the biggest obstacle to a fresh, authentic encounter with God is the last one we had. And when you have a great experience, you're like, oh, that was a great experience. Now, how do we do that again? And how do we preserve that? Right. And you have a, a, a really beautiful, you know, enriching experience and encounter with God. And you're like, okay, now how do we how do we do this again? How do we make this replicable? How do we multiply it? But what you're really doing is sort of locking yourself in. Um, and, and then you start to convince, oh, this is the right way to do it. Uh, and all, maybe all these other ways we do it aren't, aren't as valid. I mean, this is, I mean, what we have is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, before- how about, how about the, like, as you're saying that I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, uh, uh, what was it a, a month or so ago? the the asbury revival yes. right how yeah. awesome like like i watched that and i'm like awesome great for them and then you start then you start hearing you know well we've got to let's replicate that at our church mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. let's and i'm like 
I'm like, I understand the heart of wanting what is they're experiencing, but can we not just sit back and just say how beautiful for them? Let's let, let us experience what God wants us to experience. Let's not try to go out and replicate that at our campus, at our church or what. Let's just take what God gives us. Let's live with an open heart. Like they, like the beauty of the Asbury thing was mm-hmm. that they, they lived with an open heart in the moment. That was the secret sauce. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything else. And so I, right. I, I don't know if this is making sense, but I, you can't, to your point, we just can't be looking to replicate. We just have mm-hmm. to do follow God and what he's asking us to do in the moment. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, we are always looking to create some kind of temple, right? To contain God, to codify things, right? Um, and, and I think it, in a way, it's it's driven by our need to sort of contain and control things uh, and do things on our own, you know, do things the way we want them to do, um, rather than have to deal with a living God <laughs> who is going to be constantly kind of doing new things. Um, and so you've got these traditions, which were good, right? They're not bad. Um, it's just that we, we've sort of got uh, stuck um, and we've kind of created systems and structures that consume massive resources. So like, even if we wanted to do something different, you know, well, Sunday's still coming. Um, but you know, the next season's still coming. We still got to, you know, run the organization. And so that's the church side. That's the system side. That's the structure side. What's interesting to me is you also talk about the cultural, the, the, the fringe people, mm-hmm. what's going on in our communities and in our cultures that the church just isn't addressing well. Mm. Maybe because of system and structure, maybe because of ideology and theology, but but when all of that kind of works together, where's the rub? What are we not doing well to reach a, our our culture and our communities? Yeah, like I, I'm a systems guy, right? And so I'm always going to respond from the perspective of like looking at the whole system. It's not one thing. It's the way we do everything that's the problem. Um, it. I feel like churches, many churches, we're just experts at uh, something called selection bias. Um, it, it's this idea what we're we're focusing on the few people who are coming, uh, and we're completely ignoring the many who will never walk through our doors. And 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 in general, churches are mostly unaware of how out of touch they are with how other people think, uh, how they perceive, um, you know, even churches, uh, and so. As the world is changing at breakneck speed, um, most existing Sunday programmatic churches are simply still preoccupied with meeting the needs of their most demanding consumer, which is that pre-churched insider club Christian. And there is no consumer that is more demanding, more particular, you know, want things a certain way than pre-churched insider club Christians. But the but the business model is built so that they have no choice. This is the donor membership, membership based business model. And so their whole model is based on attracting and retaining people. And so, you know, meanwhile, outsiders, right. People who have no interest in organized religion, people for whom the current church model doesn't work. uh, Right. 
they're just like completely off the radar. And the more churches are going to cater to insiders, the more insular they become, the more out of touch they become with the broader culture. And so this chasm is just going to get wider and wider. Um, and, and as a result, eventually, the people who don't want or don't need the current model of church, they're just going to grow, continue to grow. They're, it's inevitable that they're going to become the overwhelming majority within just a few decades. And so we're already on our way, right? Re religious affiliation is in decline, right? Spiritual but not religious are on the rise. And so a huge change is coming, and most churches are not even going to see it coming because it's just not on their radar. Um, they're too focused on maintaining what they have rather than looking toward the future of what's to come. Yeah. And this, this vision that you have, this, these thoughts that, that, that God was stirring within you well before 2020, um, led you as a church pastor to say, I can't do this anymore this mm -hmm. way. I've got to look for, I've got to try to find a way to serve God and, and lean into my, my gifting and calling differently for the sake of the fringe, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the future, you stepped out of church ministry and into a new direction and a near new, uh, uh, path. As we wrap up this first, this first segment, Eugene, uh, um, I have to believe that there are a lot of current church pastors who are feeling the same way, but don't know what to do. And I hope that that what they're hearing is we can have the courage to step in new directions. I hope they'll give you a follow. I hope they'll they'll connect with you. I hope they'll tune into our next segment when we talk about New Wine Collective and, and taking this this season of transition in your life where you said, I've got to do something different and um, and be encouraged for themselves. Eugene, where can people find you? How can they find you on social media? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can learn more about our work on our website. Uh, uh, it's newwinecollective.org. Uh, and I'm pretty easy to find on social media. I have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, kind of. I'm not so good at it. Um, but yeah, my name is Eugene Kim with New Wine Collective, and so I'm easy to find out there. Awesome. We're going to link to all of that in our show notes. And uh, this has been inspiring. I, I just I just have this sense that we have pastors that are trying to figure out their what's next, but they've never thought beyond the church walls. And I'm, I really believe that you're giving guys, men and women and families, um, uh, new thoughts, new ideas, and new new options to consider. So thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Ben. I so appreciate Eugene's depth and thoughtfulness as he thinks through church in the next season of life and having the courage to step out in a new direction, forming New Wine Collective. Now, do us a favor. If you haven't already, be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast and hit the alert bell so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to share our podcast with friends or family who may be in the middle of their own season of ministry change. We heard back just recently how this podcast led a pastor to reach out and find the help he and his family needs. Pastors in Transition, again, is a nonprofit organization that was formed to help 
pastors and families navigate the unique challenges, hurt, and stress associated with ministry transitions. For more information on the Pastors in Transition ministry, be sure to visit us at pastorsintransition.net. Until next time, we hope that this has been another step for you to find hope, help, and healing as you navigate your ministry and career transition.